0: I'm James Hahn II, and I'm Mark LaCour, and you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry, and this is episode 32, 20 more episodes, and we'll be at 52 one year. So we are moving right along. Welcome in, Mr. LaCour. Great to be here, James. How you doing, brother? Man, I am fired up because you know what I we're know kicking off. I know, you know why you're fired up. Why am I so fired up, buddy? Because we got our first one-star review. Yes! <laughs> I have been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this day because five-star reviews are awesome. We love we love everybody out there going and, and giving us these reviews, but... I, I, I've i just been waiting for that troll, for that hater to come in, and we have it. We have it right here. I even made a blog post and put it in the in LinkedIn group. So let's go ahead and dissect um, Mr. or Mrs. I assume Mr. Sterling WR, one star. Disappointing, Lacour. Disac- disappointing, sir. Oh no, VW circumvented some stupid emissions regulations. The horror, the horror cheering on socialism in Tanzania read a book on economics you ignoramuses unsubscribed your your reaction mark uh,
1: you know you made it when you have your haters out there you know um it's uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's what i'm saying that's why i've been waiting for this day because if you don't have people out there that are saying oh this sucks i hate this then your voice just you're not you're doing it wrong right Absolutely. And, you know, I I just have to admit, I've been called a lot of stuff
1: uh, in in my lifetime. I've never been called an ignoramus before.
0: Well, what's so funny is that ignoramus is typically especially used among academia and, you know, in more high-minded, insulting (laughs) ways, right? And what's funny to me is that he put that right after saying that we were cheering on socialism in Tanzania. Now, Mark, have I ever cheered on anything that is remotely close to socialism. No, and, and I
1: remember what he's talking about, and he obviously um, doesn't understand politics, <laughs> <or> <laughs> right? Understand political agendas, or didn't listen to what we were talking about in Tanzania because it was the opposite of socialism.
0: It was pure democracy. Right, right. It in in, in you. The, what I think this is this is just a theory because I don't I don't know the hater. My theory is that he doesn't understand that. People don't own the minerals in the rest of the world. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but, I'm sure and got, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was just, I, you know, I was just at a major networking event, a few, you know, what last month, and there was a guy had been in the industry for a really long time. He didn't know that. It blew my mind that he didn't know that. Right. But, but so my guess is that we have an ill informed person here who doesn't realize yeah, the and government and owns also, everything. I would
1: also hesitate to guess that he probably doesn't know it's not okay to date his
0: cousins. <laughs> Just a oh. hunch. Just a hunch. Yeah. Just a hunch. All right. With that, we will transition. I'm James Han II. By the way, from TribeRocket.com, we are a sales-driven marketing firm. We help people tell their story, the right story in the marketplace, so they can close more sales. What about you, Mark?
1: Uh, Mark with a We are the oil and gas sales experts.
0: All right, and we're going to kick things off here uh, this this week in China. So we have a story here. Uh, sorry, I had the weekly onion open still. Uncertainty about China hangs over rebalancing. Uh, this is from Camp at Reuters. So what's going on in uncertainty in China?
1: Yeah. So we agree with this. We've talked about bits and pieces of in, this in you know the, the past. So um, the there's oversupply oil. There is an increase in global consumption, and so um, that increase in global consumption, if it continues, will eventually eradicate the surplus and then the price of crude to go back up. And this is a real good article talking about how there's a lot of data that you can pull out of Europe and the U S but trying to get accurate data out of China is almost impossible. And so it has some um, different, it shows different organizations and their estimates of what that, that continued growth will be. And it's interesting. So it's, um, according to the international energy agency, they're looking at global demand rise about 1.7 million barrels. If you listen mm. to our past shows, I've been saying one and a half million barrels. Which is actually what OPEC is um, forecasting. Which is weird for OPEC to forecast something that I forecasted. Um, but it's maybe um,
0: they're it's, listening to the show. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so, you know.
1: And then the U.S. Um, energy uh, Information is, is putting that, gro- that global growth at 1.2 million barrels. So, depending on whose numbers right, that is that is how you use use that to do the math to figure out when the price of oil is going to rebound. And we're still sticking to our April of 2016 at 70 bucks a barrel.
0: So you know you and I had a conversation earlier about a, an article that I I've, I've got forthcoming about um the price of oil and in people's perceptions of it but that the thoughts behind that article aside there is so much um I like to point that actually Oil Pro made in their their I don't know if it's a newsletter yesterday's email I got from Oil Pro where where um I, I Maybe it was Kent, uh, David Kent that was writing it there, but he he said that oftentimes, you know, there's over-optimism on the upside and extreme pessimism on the downside, and last week, two weeks ago, I was saying Goldman was the only one calling 20, now you're seeing 10 even, and we'll get into that in 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 a couple of stories, but this, it's just crazy. Yeah, this this is a good article if you want to see what
1: some of the global organizations, some of the think tanks are are thinking, what, what their forecast and number are using. So
0: some good numbers in here, some good data. All right, so moving over to Nigeria. Um, so NNPC stands for the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation. So this is a, a story from a, a publication over there called The Nation, True Defense of Freedom. It says, so our plans for NNPC by... Uh, I couldn't I couldn't do it
1: either. Yeah. So this is a great article about how the president in Nigeria is kicking butt and taking names and cleaning stuff up, including the very corrupt um, um, nationalized oil company, the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation. And so he put in a good president. Uh, the president's actually going back reviewing contracts, and any contract that's um, suspicious, he, he suspends it and makes the vendor renegotiate for it. Um, they've, they got the refineries back online. Now they're trying to track down the millions of dollars that disappeared, that they were supposed to get them back online a year ago. Um, he's, he's fired a lot of people. He's hired some good people in there. They're, they're doing a great job. And what's so great about this is that the people of Nigeria are the one that's ultimately benefit from this.
0: And I, when I found this story, I texted you the one line that I, I like that really stands out. Their conclusion was that the perception of the president's anti-corruption stance has forced the saboteurs to fall in line. Well, the hawks and locusts have voluntarily walked away. Yeah, the the people that were in that were doing the corrupt things
1: have figured out they don't need to be there anymore because they're gonna get busted, so they're leaving. And I mean, it's just it's a great thing. It, it goes to show. I you know, two years ago, I would have said this could never have happened. There's no way Nigeria could clean up the corruption in their in their NOC, and I was wrong, which is great.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a really interesting backstory here that I I haven't shared all the links with you because I've been sort of digging into this whole thing because Buhari was a military leader. Oh, he, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a military leader, and and that so explains a lot. Back in the day, right? Um, however many decades ago, and so he he ran Nigeria under a, a military government, right? And so when he got elected, he in one of his speeches, and I should have sent you the video, where he says, I am a former military leader and, you know, reformed, uh, full believer in democracy. And and, and and then there's this other back backstory of people, that, one of the stories from, I think, this same publication was, is Buhari's um, anti-corruption, you know, campaign real? And then it really starts to fall along tribal lines, and north, south, because he's a he's a Mos- he's a Muslim, and then that's that's the north, and then you've got the Christians in the south. There's a lot going on there. But right now, when I tweeted this out, you know, because I tweeted at like two in the morning, whenever, because that's the time that that this type of story would get seen by people over there. Um, all I all I could say was whether or not it's it's for real. If 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 uh. If what's happening right now in, his, in the oil sector is any indication, they're headed in the right direction.
1: Oh, no, it's for real. It's, there, there's no way that this is a, uh, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. He's doing the right thing, which is great.
0: Yeah. All right, so we have two stories in a row from Oil & Gas 360. Um, Twitter followers out there seem to be liking these stories. Shell ramps up uh, African offshore drilling with 50 um, million barrels of oil per day expansion. So what's Very going good on? Very the acronym. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just to pause there for a second, but I remembered. So th- uh, this is also um, Nigeria, but this is offshore.
1: Yeah, and this is a deep water field. Um, so this just goes to show you, and, and deep waters is a pretty expensive oil to get out of the ground. This just this goes to show you that at least Shell believes that the price could come back, or they wouldn't be moving forward on this field on this
0: project. Talk more about that then, because how long is it going to take? In like you said. Because yeah, when I read when I read the headline, I was going, "Well, that's an interesting move with the prices being where they are."
1: Yeah, so um, this this field is going to be um, the production is actually being done on something called FPSOs, which stands for Floating um, Production and Storage uh, Offloading Vessel. It's basically um, a large seagoing vessel that um, will actually go to the deepwater fields, which where the trees are attached to umbilicals. It will attach itself to the surface to umbilical pump the oil into its tanks and then process it there while they're in the ocean, then drive to a port and offload the processed crude um, in, into whatever facilities are there. And so that's a very expensive way to get all out of the ground. First deep water itself is expensive because it's so technically challenging. And then to use an FPSO, which means you have to build a specially uh, outfitted vessel, right? You just don't, don't go pick up a barge and a tugboat. This is a very custom built vessel. So this just goes to show that shell, thinks that in the near future the price will come back um, because if not, they wouldn't be um, spending this type of money to get oil out of the ground in, in Nigeria.
0: Yeah, and there's, uh, there's, a, there's there's a lot of great statistics and graphs and so forth. So if you want to see the, any of our stories, go to the show notes. It's it's triberocket.com forward slash TW, and then the number of the episode. This is episode 32, triberocket.com forward slash TW32. And then again from Oil & Gas 360, Pipelines figure prominently in Canada's PM race and before I throw this to you I did happen to see uh, Hillary Clinton's Hillary Clinton SNL thing last night and it was it it, it was revolting that the first punchline that she decided to go with was oh I'm just a normal person who believes that the Keystone pipeline will destroy the environment ha 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 and uh, I mean clearly this all ties together yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to jump down
1: the political thing. Pipelines are the most efficient, safest, environmentally friendly way to move crude. Right now, the crude that this heavy crude from Canada is being, being moved to the Gulf Coast by rail, which is not the safest or environmentally friendliest way to do it. Uh, Keystone is, is predominantly finished. There's just one piece of it, the XL piece, which basically goes from Cushing, Oklahoma, down here to the Gulf Coast of Texas that needs to be finished. Um, this article is a really good article on, from the Canadian side on the politics of Keystone. So um, what's going to happen is if if the Keystone XL doesn't get completed, uh, Canada is still going to sell that, that heavy crude to somebody. It's probably going to be China. In order to do that, then what they're going to do is they're going to build in another pipeline that will basically run from the west coast or the, the west provinces of Canada all the way to the east coast where they can dump this heavy crude into Chinese supertankers. So if we don't buy this this heavy crude and in, refiner- in our refineries, the Chinese will. And let me just tell you, James, if you're worried about the environment you want the us to refine this heavy crude
0: not china oh oh yeah all you have to do is look at pictures of smog in beijing and it's i i just i don't even know how people get out of bed in those cities over there
1: yeah they, they actually don't right so when when they had the olympics there they actually shut the coal-fired um, electrical plants down so the air could clean out so that when the rest of the world come there, came there, they wouldn't see how polluted it was. But you still, there was literally, you could run your fingers on the tops of tables and chairs and there's literally soot, which you know we haven't had in this country for 150 years. Um, but this is a great article on the politics in Canada about the pipelines and how it's playing into which party is probably going to dominate in the upcoming elections.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, um, up next, we have a story from uh, a new website that came across the feed uh, called The Conversation. And when I tweeted this out, um, I, I had to share the uh, the meme. Uh, look out, we got a badass over here <laughs> because it says low oil prices are here to stay as the U.S. shale revolution goes global. And I don't want to discount um, the the co-authors here because they did a lot of work, and there's a lot of statistics here about the shale revolution spreading. And so I definitely um, was tongue-in-cheek with my criticism. But how realistic is it that shale technology going worldwide is going to keep crude prices plummeting?
1: Okay, so first thing, I, I think this is a very well-written article. It's stuff that we've been talking about for a while. So you can frack. You don't just have to frack and shell Shale. shale. Fracking is a well stimulation technique. You can go back to um, decommissioned wells in the Gulf of Mexico. Halliburton's already done this as a proof of concept. And you can go back and frack these wells and increase production, which basically makes a non-viable well viable. Think about that globally. Think about all the capped wells in the world that you could go back in and use hydraulic fracking to re-stimulate. And the geology of U.S. shale is not unique to the U.S. That type of geology is all over the world. So, um, you know, we're saying the price would come back to $70, $75 a barrel, but we're also saying it will never get to $100 a barrel again because of this exact thing, because the technology is out there to c- capture more of the oil that right now is stuck in the ground, and it's it's a global phenomenon. So um, I like this article. I agree with the authors. Um, they don't actually get down to what they think the price of crudes could going to stay. They don't actually say a number. They just say it, They say it's going to stay low as compared to when it was $100 a barrel, and I agree with that 100%.
0: So um but so the, it says, our optimistic scenario, which appears increasingly likely, sees a price of u.S. 40 by 2035. Yeah, well so what happens with that is what they're not figuring in is is
1: production and demand at 40 dollars a barrel right now in 2015, you can see a lot of production go offline. It's just not economically viable. Now, by 2020, will it be economically viable at 40? Can we drive that type of efficiencies where people can make money at 40? Probably? You know so that's 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 a very good educated guess if you look at the efficiencies we've driven in just in the last 12 months um and it's it's ridiculous and then you know you're seeing new technologies the the digital oil field or the internet of things you're seeing big data analytics um you know i could see in you know another five or six years that maybe 40 dollars a barrel is viable and the thing is Whatever the price point is, if it's viable, people will produce. If it's not viable, they won't produce. Then the supply goes down and the price goes up. That's why it's a commodity.
0: Right. Well, I just did a quick, uh, I don't know if you heard the sound, but I just did a quick uh, search, you know, command F to see if they put the word population anywhere in here and they didn't. So I would say that's a huge miss because right now we're in 2016, 2035, that's 20 years from now how much more population is there going to be by then? How much more demand is that going to drive?
1: Right. I I don't,
0: you know, it's such a crystal ball to go that far into the future without counting population growth in, in demand into, into the, well, demand from population growth into the curve. Yeah. And especially
1: in emerging economies, right. Who who are going to use crude um, and, and gas because it's the best fuel of choice as you're growing your, as you're, you know, growing your um, economy, so um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of variables, and and there's you know, here's a couple of smart people taking a stab at it, putting it out there. I I agree with a lot that but they have in the, a lot of the science and a lot of the um, the forecasting models that they have in here. Um, I, I once again I think that the spread of the uh, technique of hydraulic fracking and the fact that it's just basically another well stimulation technique. You know, it's it's you go back to all these depleted fields all over the world, and you can go back in and start pulling oil out of the ground again. So, um, good stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. So, moving on to uh, well, this is from Zachs via Nasdaq dot com. Can big mergers brace energy players amid low oil prices? So, this is an article about mergers and acquisitions. Is it a
1: long term reliable solution if the price of crude stays low? And so it was, it was actually a very interesting read because it made me think of a couple of things I didn't think of. So, you know, we I've been saying that M&A activities go through the roof. It hasn't started yet. I, I thought it would have by now. But this is saying maybe if this is a long-term, low crude price environment, maybe the M&A activity hasn't started for a reason. And that reason is maybe it doesn't drive the efficiencies long-term wise. Yes, it would help you right now, right? In the next five years or 10 years, but will it help you in 20 years or 30 years or 50 years? So it, interesting take on this. Um, and they talk about some of the the, the big uh, M&A deals that already happened, the whole Shell BG thing, and then the uh, Cameron Somerget and the um, Halliburton Baker Hughes thing. Uh, but those are all kind of unique uh, in its way. So the Shell thing, buying BG, that's Shell taking a gamble that LNG or gas is going to be a major fuel in the future, which I think they're right. Shell basically turned itself into a gas company that bought BG. Um, Halliburton buying Baker... That's, that's just um, survival of the fittest. Halliburton was bigger. Halliburton had more cash. Baker had some uh, markets that Halliburton was struggling to get in, so it's easier just to buy Baker than to try to fight them for that market. Um, Schlumberger and Cameron, I should have saw that one coming. I didn't. They kept it very quiet. But Schlumberger dabbed its toes into subsea service a year ago with a joint venture with Cameron called One Subsea, and obviously it proved itself, so then they just bought Cameron. Um, but the rest of the industry is poised for, for, for acquisitions and I know the money's out there. I talk to the guys out there on the sidelines with the money, and I keep hearing the same thing. Right? We don't think it's hit rock bottom, and and you know I think we have hit rock bottom. So we'll see what happens.
0: So let let me let me t- step back on that though, because how could something work short term and not be beneficial long term? So
1: let's say let's say somebody like um, we'll pick Exxon. Let's say Exxon is looking at picking up one of these devalued operators in the frack fields to pick up their their reservoirs, right? Well, Exxon will do that counting on, they'll buy it right now while it's pennies on the dollar, and then the price of crude comes back, and then they can go in production and sell this crude and make money. And they bought the mineral rights for pennies on the dollar. What if it never comes back? Then Exxon bought something for pennies on the dollar that they can only sell for pennies on the dollar. Mm. makes sense
0: yeah definitely yeah
1: i i don't think it's true but it is a different way to look at it and it was it was it's nice to see somebody um thinking outside the box and the whole uh, mergers and acquisition thing right now
0: all right so moving on to seeking alpha we have um you know a one a part one and a part two so oil it, same same store uh, story title just part one part two so uh oil shale uh oil shale tight oil disrupting the paradigm yeah this is
1: a, a really good financial article And one of the things that they brought in is literally things that affect break-even costs. So things like um, um, internal rate of return, which is a financial uh, term that's used quite often in corporations, you know, basically what type of return do I get on my money that I invest internally? Um, And so great financial uh, article around what's happening with this, in this low crude prices. And what's happening is, and and companies are driving efficiencies, um, their internal rate of return with, the shale fields are actually quicker than doing deep water or ultra deep water. So they get that money back quicker. So this article's basically part one and part two is saying, even though the price accrued is low, because of the return internally on investments of capital, the shale plays are still going to be explored or still going to be put in production. Um, well, nice different what, way of looking at it strictly from a financial point
0: of view. But what does that mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> what what as mean? a As a total neophyte over here um, the sentence that you just said, um, basically about, about, um, you know, it, it's still making sense. Okay. So, yeah. So let
1: me, let me back up a little bit. So what I'm talking about is, is a quicker internal rate of return. So if you invest, if you're a company and you invest a hundred dollars into a shale play right now, uh, right now you're getting that money back in about, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the chart right now, you're getting that money back in about two years, right? So you get that $100 back in two years, then you start making profit on top of that. If you're doing something like um, oil sands, that getting that money back timeline is 10 years. If you're doing a deep water, it's eight years. If you're doing mid water, it's six, you're doing shallow water, it's eight. So it's only two years to get that money back with shale. So that means that if you have capital, and you have a choice of where to invest if you're a, a, a operator, you you may invest in even this low crude prices back
0: in the shale because you get your money back in two years
1: whereas the other ones take anywhere from you know six to ten years to get your money back does that make sense
0: so yeah so so you make your so so even with prices being at you know around 50 or so you still get your money back in two years quicker yeah you get quicker than almost any other type of um of drilling operation is that just so, because they flow a lot faster when they bring them on how does that happen
1: because the process from um, a initial spudding well to first oil is so quick on a sh- on a shale play, <laughs> I mean it's literally, you know, compared to deep water. I mean, imagine having to build first do all the geoscience and build all the equipment, and then you know drill and then go and product, have to install subsea trees and all that stuff. I mean, it's just it's about years and years and years. Whereas. You know, you go out in West Texas with a, with a high horsepower drill rig, and you could be in production in a few days.
0: Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so then we also have some extras in here. Just uh, we have two of them. Um, one uh, that you gave a shout out to Exxon on for oil, natural gas, and investing in America. And yeah, and, and so so tell me about that.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. So this is um, this is um, a list of all the companies that have invested capital inside the U.S. in order of who've invested the most and who invested the least or the top investors and of all the energy companies oil and gas companies, ExxonMobil is the number one investment in in the U S they've invested. Um,
0: 12,401.
1: 12, that's millions. Oh, 12,401,000. No, 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 no. That's 12,401,000. Wow. That's wow. a lot of money. Wow. Right. And it's interesting um, that uh, if you look at that, the list of the top investors in the US, it's a lot of oil and gas companies, which I love. So yeah. just to be fair to everybody, AT&T is the number one, then Verizon, yep. then ExxonMobil, then Google, then Chevron, then Walmart, Phillips, and so on and so on. So it's just kind of cool to see that that the oil and gas industry invests money back into the US. It's That creates jobs, it creates prosperity, um, it, you know long-term incentives, it helps municipalities build roads, build schools, it just everybody benefits.
0: Yeah, you got oxy on there. Hess. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, and then and then the one that I it blew my mind <laughs> was the the uh, from Shell um, time lapse video shows the making of Malapaya. Yeah, you got to watch this. It's not very. I think it's like a minute long video.
1: It's basically time lapse of an offshore platform being built and then being towed out to sea and then installing itself. Right. So you see the legs go down. It jacks up the top sides and then they drop the bridge in there. In there producing gas in the Philippines, but because it's time-lapse, you get to see years' worth of stuff done in literally you know 60 seconds. It, it's really cool. It gives you a feel for the engineering proudness of this industry.
0: Yeah, that that was awesome. And then and then the weekly onion that I was laughing at at the beginning of the show, uh, sight of 400 war elephants on horizon marks Hillary Clinton's arrival in swing state. And just the picture alone is worth, worth checking out, which, again, at, at the show notes, trybrocket.com forward slash TW 32 on this one. Um, And then we have to uh, transition into events. And there's a heck of a lot of events next week, man. There's it's, I don't know. Everybody's competing with each other, but um,
1: (laughs) it is. It's the fall season. This is where events really start to peak is the fall of the year.
0: Yeah. So I I really love the junior league. So I I put this one in here first. spirit of helping luncheon at the junior league next week, Tuesday, October 13th from 1130 AM. To 1 p.m. Um, do you know about this event?
1: Yeah, th- so I, I, this is a great event. So this is a, a a group called the Wesley Community Center with the Junior League, and for over a hundred years they've been helping underprivileged families in Houston, um, and and it's just a great charity. They do some real impactful work, and this is a luncheon to actually raise money. So your money goes for a good cause. Now. Um, the speaker is the, speakers, the uh, president and CEO of the Greater Houston Partnership. So any m- any of our listeners out there that have salespeople that are trying to sell to oil and gas, you need to go sponsor a table here because everybody in that room are going to be the people that you want to talk to. And then your money goes for a great cause. So it's kind of a win-win all the way around.
0: Yeah, it says um, they're working programs that impact over 20,000 20, Houston Tonians an- annually. That is, that's an impressive number. What is the Greater Houston Partnership?
1: So the Greater Houston Partnership basically works on – for people that are underprivileged, helps them with um, education, helps them uh, pick up workforce skills. It, it doesn't give them charity. It gives them the ability to, to support themselves. And, th- and they do a lot of heart-touching stuff, right? There's a lot of um, orphans out there that have no um, you know, parental figures out there, and they do that sort of stuff. They hold these kids' hands while they're in school. Just great stuff.
0: That's awesome. Do you know that I'm teaching my first class on Saturday with with Ephraim's uh, staff? Oh, that's Foundation? awesome, James.
1: No, I did not know that. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's um at uh it's second Saturday of the month, um down on the south side. It's at some um it's a it's at a public library, and I haven't been able to hash out the details with him yet. But um I hit him with the email earlier. I said, why don't I teach them how to set up an online business? Because then they'll walk away with the big picture instead of just knowing HTML or just knowing CSS and whatever else. We can teach them the whole process, and maybe they can start moving some product online. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's it's always good to give something back.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 super excited about it. Um, and then we also have the Deep Offshore Technology uh, International Conference, and this one um, has a lot of big sponsors, and so you got (laughs) PEMEX, Total. Cameron, everybody's – it seems that everybody's going to be here up in the woodlands.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I really don't need to explain much because it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a it's a conference on deep water offshore.
0: Yeah, so that's October 13th through the 15th, so ne- next week, um, Tuesday through Thursday. And then um, we have to give one more plug for, for you for the a- API Houston Young Professionals event.
1: Yeah, so if you're 35 years of age or younger or you have Four. less than five years of experience in oil and gas industry – Reach out to, to James, his email list there, and email him. They're taking a, a private tour of the Honeywell Customer Excellence Center. You can't buy this. You can't go there. This is where Honeywell takes its customers. And after the private tour, they're going to have a cocktail event. This is a way for you to network and meet other young professionals in the oil and gas industry. And it's a great group of people. And the cost is free. So you know, reach out to James and, and, and go, t- go on this tour on the 15th.
0: Yeah, and by that, he means James Gordy, which is J-Gord, uh, J-G-O-R-D-E. The number one at Gmail, and again, you can go to the show notes, triberocket.com/tw32. What uh, you just triggered though a memory in me that that um, Heart Energy put out their uh, uh, thirty, uh, what is it, forty? Yeah, thirty under forty list yesterday, and uh, I went out there and connected with all the people on LinkedIn. I already have some lunches scheduled for next week. So cool. congratulations to everyone. That made that list because those are the people that are going to be running things over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So um, I'll link that in the show notes because I don't have the URL handy. Also, um, you know, there like I said, it's not just a Houston thing, man. There's things going on in West Virginia, Oklahoma. There's all kinds of things going on. So, folks, if you want to, you can go to trirocket.com forward slash events. And that'll take you straight to Mark LaCour's uh, landing page where you can put in your email address and you can get all of the events going on in oil and gas, not only in Houston, not only in America, but internationally. It's a freaking awesome resource that I personally use not only for this show, but to figure out where I'm going to be spending my networking time. Um,
1: yeah, it's, it's the back story is actually kind of funny. So when Modal Point first got kicked off, we were interested in events, and I wanted a one place to go to see all events, and I, and it didn't exist. So Spread I built it myself, yeah. and now my interns run it. Right? They they scour the web looking for events all over the world, and they put it all in one place, and we email it to you once a month, so you don't have to look for anything, and it's free.
0: That's why I built H Town Scene, baby. That's right. <laughs> Everybody doesn't know about that, but yeah, I do have a website because there there was no way for me to find out where all the good parties in in concerts and everything were in Houston. So I I built out H Town Scene and I'm still building it. But um yeah, sometimes you just gotta do that. All right. Well um we've got the events. Uh we already talked about reviews at the top of the at the top. So if you go to tryrocket.com forward slash TW reviews, uh you can hate on us, you can love us, whatever you want to do that that's really much appreciated. We have the LinkedIn group as well. triberocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. Um sorry to be breezing over these because we have uh, one thing that we, we really need to talk about, which is the first Friday Q and a, and yeah, it was very successful. I was very proud. We had some great questions come in. Yeah, we had a lot of great questions come in and they keep coming. <laughs> so we're getting more, um, you know, from email and they're, they're kind of coming from all the types of different directions right now. And so in order to centralize and get it all in one place, i'm um, uh just go to tribrocket.com forward slash QA. So tribrocket.com forward slash QA. You'll see a form there. If you want to just fill out the form, you can. Or what else can they do, Mark? I think they can actually leave us a voicemail. They can. <laughs> they can well, yeah. So we've got the voicemail plugin going where uh, this is gonna be awesome. We would love to hear actually hear from you so tribe forward slash qa fill out the form or you'll see the uh the the leave us a voicemail banner kind of on the side and you can click that and then whoever leaves us the voicemails we are going to play them and answer your questions on the show next first friday wow james they may get discovered by hollywood or something (laughs) well it's just like that guy that wrote the martian right have you heard that story Uh, no. Yeah, so this is crazy. He, he basically, he wrote that in chunks online on his, on his own little personal website that he had 3,000 readers. Oh, how cool
1: is that? Yeah. And then he got discovered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it gets picked picked up and optioned for a movie. Um, just really, really cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a computer programmer. Yeah, so see that folks, you leave us a, a voicemail and maybe you'll get picked up as a movie. Or, or at least get some voiceover work. Yeah. Uh, Um, so we've got that. And then also, um, one last call to action, which is that, uh, share, share the, share the love, share this podcast with your friends, put it out on social media, tell people about it because the more people, I mean, there's so many different perspectives that we're getting from all over the world now. And it's really, really awesome. And so I'm going to put something together automated for next week for that. But, you know, if you haven't sent this an email or if you haven't subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, um, share the love. Because, like I said, the more people we get listening, the more perspectives we get, the more more intelligent that Mark and I get because then we have people actually telling us when we're wrong. Except for that one star guy. He's just a hater. (laughs) Yeah, and folks, if um, if you
1: work for a company that touches oil and gas, why don't you just email internally, let everybody know about the podcast? They would appreciate you letting them know that there's a resource out there that they can access for free.
0: Yeah, I was just listening to Mitch Joel podcast, which six pixels of separation. If anybody wants to check it out, it's amazing. I freaking love it. The guy's been podcasting for ten years now, and and he, and he was having a conversation with a woman uh, and uh, about the business of podcasting because she does podcasts for brands. And it was a really fascinating conversation. But the one, one thing he said, he said, gosh, I got to imagine, you know, if I'm a chemical engineer, I'm out there just praying to find <laughs> find something that's relevant to me. And uh, I've, I've still got to tweet him and say, hey, chemical engineers love our show. <laughs> retweet <laughs> retweet yeah. this, brother. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, I think that's it for me. What about you?
1: Uh, that's We're done. So, uh, folks, do go great work. Pay it forward. And we will see you
0: next time. Go find some grease, guys. Can you say any of that without cussing?
1: <laughs> no, cause it's not the same.